Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I am Sam Rosenberg. It is Tuesday, October 10th, 2017. You guessed it. I'm back with Shaka to break down week five of the NFL season. Shaka, how are you doing today? Well, I think I'd like to share with you just to start off, not a, a tangent, but there's been a poll done with the Jets fan base. Oh, really? Yes, and 48% said they're all in with the fact that the Jets have won three in a row. Wow. 34% said they're totally conflicted, and 18% said they're upset because it's going to hurt our 2018 draft position. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Giants are 0-5. <laughs> Odin Beckham Jr. is out for the season. Brandon Marshall is out for the season. We are in the twilight zone, my friend. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but I just signed with the Giants. I'm going to be starting at wide receiver this Sunday. They need all the help they can get. Happy for you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I think that's very fitting to start with uh, the Jets. So the Jets are 3-0, and man. It's, or well, three-game three, three game winning streak. They're 3-2. and two, But this three-game winning streak, and uh, I'm going to start us off by saying when I reached out to you, you pretty much started laughing your ass off when I said, how the fuck are the Jets on a three-game winning streak? <laughs> so, it's amazing. Let, dude, let's Sorry. just start talking about it. What happened? How did this happen? Let, let's just build the case to just put the pieces together for me. Well, first off, let's start by saying that these three wins that they've won in a row have all been hard-fought wins. Mm-hmm. I, they dominated the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. They won in overtime against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who are now looking like a really good team. They look legit. I'm not going to lie. It's amazing. With Allen Robinson out for the season, and they look, they look terrifying a bit there. And against Cleveland, look, it's Cleveland. It's Cleveland. But Listen, the they, Jets will take it. Yeah, W is a W, you know, at the end of the day. And Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland's got a lot of working pieces they need to figure out. Deshaun Kaiser does not look ready. He's just telegraphing all his passes. Yeah. And Kevin Hogan, Kevin Hogan came in and did an admirable job in relief, you know, to kind of bring them back into the game. But mm-hmm. ultimately, the Jets pull this one out as well. Yeah. So, look, man, I'm, I'm really happy. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of things we can say about the defense. This, you know, a couple of just big stops in this game. There's one. There's one big stop uh, that was more. I would say more Deshaun Kaiser's fault. Throwing that interception at the goal line was mm-hmm. just. I mean, just poor, poor uh, decision making in general. But the Jets capitalized on turnovers, which is you know what you got to do in the NFL if you want to win games. So I mean, hey, they're three and two right now, and they're facing the New England Patriots next week. So it's. Uh, that's going to be a big test. That's going to be a big test. They're type of first in the AFC East, which is crazy to think of right now. It's absurd to think of right now, but that's where we are. I mean, it's a magic time to be tied for first with the Patriots. You know that's not always going to be the case. Um, yes. I mean, I think the thing from what I've seen that shined a lot with this Jets team is the defense. And in a way, you know, I think in 2017, we're very enamored with offenses, passing, lots of yardage, explosive, big, long touchdowns. But... You know, what Jacksonville is showing us and what we're remembering is that there's still something to be said for a defensive oriented team that runs that is ball that runs the ball and is not really not looking to throw it. And, you know, this Jets team has got that. They're at their core, they have a strong defense. I think some of their newer guys, like it's Jamal Adams, I mean, this guy's really playing up, man. Yeah, he's he's playing a lot of positions and he's playing a lot of positions well. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if the Jets were really expecting that much of production out of him this quickly. 
Um, and then you start to look at the offensive side of the ball, and they've just been playing, you know, smart and conservative. You're not putting Josh McCown in a position where he has to play from behind a lot. You're not asking him to throw the ball a lot. You know, he does throw the ball, and he, and I think he's pretty responsible when he does make those passes. And then you've got your run game, which, you know, I think has been. I think it was surprising. I think there was a lot of expectation that Bilal Powell and Matt Forte would kind of shoulder the burden, but. I mean, you know, Forte's hurt, Powell's a little hurt, and now you're starting to see yeah. these other running backs, this, you know, Maguire, and I mean, it just kind of comes back to, you got to see the team play, because I think coming into this season, looking at the team on paper, knowing there was Josh McCown under center, there was a feeling of, well, of course we have to tank, and now, I mean, dude, the how many legitimate teams that you figured were going to the playoffs are now two and three or one and four and are trying to figure out how to get their shit together. Whereas the jets are three and two. And actually, I mean, it looks like they know what their identity is. They know what they need to do when they go in and how to win a game. They're not lost or confused like Deshaun Kaiser and the Cleveland Browns offense. So I guess what I'm saying is let's talk to me about the offensive line. Give me some of your opinions on this Jets O-line. Well, look, offensive line is, uh, look, I never really thought they'd be the same after letting go, you know. The, the Jets have a history of just letting go of, you know, Pro Bowl centers. Yeah. And kind of trying to pick up the pieces after. I, I still haven't gotten over Kevin Malai. Yeah. But they somehow managed to just kind of, well, put together an O-line that, one, gives uh, the quarterback enough time to make the small throws, you mm-hmm. know, really, you, like you said, they're not making anything big. Robbie Anderson's a deep threat, but they're not really playing to that kind of game, you know. It's uh, and also uh, just essential to to keep in the run game, which is which is huge for them right now. And I'm a little bit nervous that Bilal Powell's hurt. Yeah, but uh, you know, they've still got um, Elijah McGuire. They've got Travis uh, Cadet. I think it's his name. I haven't really seen close much enough. Of him. <laughs> I haven't seen much of him this year, but we might see him a little bit against the Patriots depending on how healthy Bilal is. But um, actually, for me, I, as well as the offensive line's played, I kind of want to talk about just the rejects. That's what I call them, really, when you think about um, just kind of the piecemeal uh, crew they have here. Besides the rookies, you know, you've got Jermaine Curse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. back from the Seahawks. You have on, um, you got Austin Safarian Jenkins, mm-hmm. you know, who got basically cut from the Tampa Bay uh, Bucks. For, yeah, for, for drinking and uh, driving. And on defense, uh, oh God, I can't remember his name right now. Um, we had a uh, – he's from the Cowboys. Oh, uh, Morris um, Claiborne. Claiborne. Claiborne, thank you. Claiborne had a huge interception. Yes, he did. Know, Kevin Hogan was marching down the field, and it was just really a heads-up play. Wide receiver tipped the ball, and Claiborne had jumped with him and just had the instinct to kind of come back down and get two hands on the football and, you know, just really kind of knock the momentum out of uh, – out of the Browns, who they had a couple drives where really there were a couple lapses on defense. David Njoku had a pretty damn good game. I've, I haven't really seen much of him. I've heard his name a bunch of times, but I actually got to see him play. And he beat uh, Jamal Adams a couple times on coverage. He looked great out there. So, there was, uh, you know, again, the rejects stepped up every now and then and made some big plays to kind of swing the meter back to Jets' way. Yeah. And, you know, we're all starting to quietly learn every, you know, like you said, these rejects are showing they can play. Safarian Jenkins and Jermaine Curse. I think those guys are ballers. Those guys are playmakers who are, are, 
you know, listen, I don't know. If, I mean, Jermaine Curse has clearly got a championship pedigree right now. But, you know, Safarian Jenkins, is, you know, it's not like he made huge waves in Tampa Bay. But he's showing here with a second chance with the Jets that he can be a playmaker and a huge tight end target in the red zone. And, you know, again, at a time when nobody was expecting this Jets team to be a red zone threat, they can produce and, I mean, Shaka, going into this game against the Patriots, I feel like this is a legitimate game. I know it's the Patriots. I know that they can burn down defenses with that Tom Brady offense, but this Patriots defense is atrocious. And yes. this game is going to be in New York. And, you know, I don't want to just give this to the I'm – gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to pick the Patriots just on, you know, their history and their ability, their coaching and Tom Brady. But let me ask you this right now, like – not not just being a Jets fan, do you think this Jets fan can win this game, can go in there and honestly smack the Patriots in the mouth and steal this game? I've thought about it. Realistically, there's a lot of questions to answer. Um, as high as we are on Jamal Adams, he still has some uh, some growing pains to go through as a professional. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gronk is going to be healthy and active mm-hmm. for this game coming this weekend. So I can imagine, you know, Belichick, just a mastermind, just watching the tape. And really, I, what makes him such a great coach is that he plays to your strengths and your weaknesses. Yeah. And you know he's going to be keying in on those um, holes that the Jets defense has. Yeah. So as good as um, Adams is, he still has to play safety sometimes he's got to play corner every now and then they have him lined up at linebacker and i think the patriots are going to game plan for those scenarios where you know for example adams has no choice but to line up as a linebacker and they're going to you know to a disadvantage so i see there are going to be big moments where he's going to have to take on Gronk one-on-one and i mean there's not really anyone in the nfl who can tackle Gronk in the open field so i think I, i expect Gronk to have a big game number one um I think number two, they're going to try and uh, try and get the run game going against the Jets, even though we know that's very hard to do. They're one of the top uh, rushing defenses in the NFL, but they're still going to try and establish the run just to give Tom Brady some time in the pocket. If you're going to go after Tom Brady, I think your best bet is a uh, pass rush. Just one, because his offensive line isn't exactly amazing either. And, uh, well, Brady, he's getting up there in age. He's not as yeah. mobile as he He can't move like he used to. You want to knock him off rhythm, you got to mess up that uh, that timing. So, you know, expect them to establish the run to kind of uh, make the Jets respect the run game a bit. I still have to say, man, the Patriots, they're going to come out here angry. They're going to come out here aggressive. I mean, this is for the division lead. So they're, they're game plans to crush the Jets. I got to lean with the Patriots on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. I, I, don't, I haven't seen enough from this Jets team to see them sort of you know, having an upset, you know, real sort of season-defining victory against the Pats yet. They're just not there. Maybe a little bit deeper into the season, if they were still 500 after week eight or week week nine, I'd probably feel a little differently. Yeah, Um, it's not a knock on my boys, but, you know, Miami's been very underwhelming this season. Uh, You know, Jacksonville is still, while they've played better, and we've seen some flashes of uh, potential, which we've said before that this team is set up to be a contender. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I mean they still, they still uh, got beaten by the Jets, and the Browns are the Browns. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if the Jets go out there and you beat the Patriots, granted the Patriots' defense is nothing to uh, to wave around as a, a trophy, uh, it would still be, you know, it, it'd be probably the most stunning game I think of the season so far. Yeah, and that, that's a much different victory to walk away from than beating the Browns. 
Um, but uh, listen, let's let's move on because uh, I think we could talk about this brilliant Jets team for hours on end. But uh, uh, the next game I wanted to shift to was this Panthers Lions game. So in Detroit, two three and one teams. Uh, ended up being, yeah, I mean, a, not an, a huge shootout, but a little bit of a shootout, and uh, Cam Newton looked great. And this is part of what I wanted to discuss, is the Panthers come away with the victory. Um, Panthers had looked up and down. The first two games of the season, they beat the Niners and the Bills. The Niners are schlock. The Bills have turned out to be a pretty decent defense, and the Panthers actually nearly lost at the buzzer to the Bills. But there was this sense of, Cam Newton didn't look right. You know, he he's coming off, uh, I think, you know, shoulder surgery. He missed most of the preseason. First couple of weeks, he clearly did not look himself. And there was a sense of, you know, something's not right with Cam Newton. Then he throws 300 yards, three touchdowns against a Patriots defense that's atrocious. So there's this great, oh, Cam Newton's back. That's exciting. But then he goes on the road to Detroit that's actually had a pretty decent defense. And there was a real question of what's going to happen. Well, what happened? He threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns again. And actually, this Panthers team that's known for running the ball, they didn't really run it that much against Detroit. You saw Cam Newton throwing the ball a lot, and Greg Olson's not playing. So Ed Dixon ended up having a gigantic game filling in for Greg Olson. Monster game. I guess part of my question is that, okay, are the Panthers back? Because it did feel, this is two years ago, they were 15-1, and one, he was the MVP, and they went to the Super Bowl. And then they had like that Super Bowl hangover year last year. Do you think the Panthers are back for real and could possibly win the division over the Atlanta Falcons? Like, give me your thoughts on this Panthers team. Look, I am really nervous telling you that with any kind of confirmation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going by the numbers. You're absolutely right. Cam had a rough start to the season. Mm-hmm. Um if you look at his overall numbers, you factor in the three touchdowns he had this past weekend. He's got eight touchdowns, he's got five interceptions, and he's yeah. got four fumbles. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got more turnovers than he does touchdowns right now, mm-hmm. which, again, turnovers are huge in the NFL. And, obviously, you know, they're 4-1. and one. Somehow they're 4-1. and one. Yeah. And that somehow is really comes down to just the defense. That, that defense, man. Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley's been playing great. Julius Peppers mm-hmm. playing like. Young Julius Peppers, yeah. uh, just really Thomas Davis coming up still with some great, you know, and timely uh, fumble recoveries. Mm-hmm. So the Panthers defense is playing out of their mind. You know, they're not exactly that old Panthers defense where, you know, they were keeping you down to one touchdown per game. Or yeah. Like, you know, single digits. But they're still doing what they need to do to win football games. And yeah. they're still putting a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Um, the other thing I have to kind of give credit to is um, some of the offensive play call in this year by the Panthers has been really, really, really ordinary, man. Yeah. And, I mean, they, if you look at some of this, the the, um, the the replays from this Lions game, they really caught a lot of the Lion defenders just, you know, they left them in the twilight zone. They were so confused. Yeah. Just a lot of the gadget plays. And I remember there was one particular, I think it was a fourth down or third down conversion, uh, and they lined up like it was going to be, you know, a run. And Cam does a bootleg out to his left and oh. throws just a really kind of awkward throw, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's Ed Dixon wide open by himself. It was it, it caught me off guard because I just didn't see it coming. But a lot of the play calling this year has been a lot less predictable and um, kind of reminding people that Cam Newton can actually throw the football. I mean, he's a big, you know, rough and tumble guy, but I think they're being a little bit more conservative in terms of letting him get beat up, especially last year. I yeah. think he was probably the most hit quarterback um, besides Russell Wilson. 
Yeah. So they're changing things up a little bit, and um, they let him throw the football. I think mostly to kind of keep him from getting banged up, but it's 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 working, man. They're four and one. I think you're absolutely right because I have certainly noticed that Newton is moving around less. He's clearly, you know, he he is mobile. But I've definitely seen him be less mobile this year. I've seen him throw the ball more this year. And, you know, it almost makes me think back to, you know, his rookie year. If you remember, like, you know, they were terrible his rookie year, but he did, he broke passing and rushing records. I think he had 1,000 yards rushing and he had like 4,000 yards passing. You know, he can throw that ball. But as he's become Cam Newton, you know, he's settled into this world of, you know, he doesn't throw as much as he runs. He's a little bit more 50-50 Michael Vick type. But now, Christian McCaffrey in this offense, he's throwing the ball more, and it's clear. You said this. They are not vanilla offense. This is not Ben McAdoo and the Giants just running slants every single play. <laughs> this is really – they're running – they're putting in jet sweeps. They've got screen passes. They're putting McCaffrey all over the field, and they, they're not running the ball as much. I mean, they really are throwing it. And then you couple that with a strong defense and the fact that they're getting hot. I mean, if anything, part of the reason they're 4-1 and one is because the first two weeks of the season when they weren't looking good and they were looking kind of rusty, they came away with victories. And that had to do with their defense. And now they're looking hotter, they're getting into a rhythm, and they're now they're starting to burn down defenses and look even stronger on offense. I mean, I'm really interested to see how it's going to shake out on Thursday night when they play the, the Eagles. This is two 4-1 and one teams, short week, you're going to Carolina – you know, I really want to see how the Eagles respond to that Panthers defense and if the Eagles pass rush can get close to Cam Newton at all. I mean, now it's really curious. I'm really curious to see, you know, what, what like, is Devin Funches going to show up and be, you know, the number one guy over Kelvin Benjamin? It almost feels like that's happening. Yeah, it looks like it. That's a good call, actually. Um, Kelvin Benjamin's always seemed like he is that guy. And they're lucky. They've got two. Just those did giant wide receivers. They're yeah, they are. Guys. Benjamin's been a little bit quieter this year, and Funchins seems to have kind of turned a corner in the good way, where he uh he's just getting himself open and he's just making big plays, especially uh you know to kind of save uh the first down uh, opportunities for the Panthers right now. Yeah, I mean Funchins has really. I mean, the last two weeks, he's really turned a corner, and you know he's definitely certain tur- he's turning heads more than Kelvin Benjamin is, and there's almost a feeling like you know it's worth having him on your fantasy team more than uh, Kelvin Benjamin. Um, I was also a little disappointed by the Lions in this game. I don't want to dwell too much on the Lions, but I I just you know They're they look underwhelming this year as a whole as a collective. The Lions have been a little bit kind of. Kind of tepid. They're not really. They they don't scare you. Their defense is solid. Their <laughs> offense is solid. But there's nothing that jumps out as per se dominant for them right now. Yeah, and now they're dealing with. Uh, Stafford got hurt in this game, man. He hurt his ankle and his hamstring. I mean, he was limping around. He definitely. I mean, he's a gritty guy. He threw some touchdowns at the end of the game. But now you're sitting here saying, you know, is he going to be available next week? Right. And I mean, I don't know. But listen, if Stafford's not under center for this Lions team, you can kiss the playoffs goodbye. Yeah, it's a problem. I mean, I just really don't see... Hey, look, he got big money in the offseason just to really kind of uh, to be that guy. And I'm looking to see who the backup is right now for them. Oh, Jake I, Oh, God. It, yeah, I, so. I, I don't... Oh, God. Hearing who is the backup for teams, I feel like is just... You want to give me a surefire way to give me heartburn? Just tell me who the backup quarterback is. <laughs> Yeah, they're being the, the 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 Lions coaching staff has been very uh, mysterious about 
his availability for the weekend. So yeah. well, we're going to have to wait and see it on the Lions. Yeah, they probably don't want to talk about it either. Um, well, here, let's uh, let's pivot right now into this into my Eagles victory uh, because it'll play right into the Panthers. Um, so my Eagles blow out the Cardinals 34-7. It was shock. It was a beautiful display. You know, it was something I was expect. I, listen, I wasn't expecting a blowout. I was expecting a close game. I think the Cardinals have a pretty solid defense and I think they are able to make explosive big plays, which the Eagles are susceptible to. I wasn't fully prepared to see the Eagles destroy them on all three sides of the ball. I mean, offense, defense, special teams. They had, you know, Carson Wentz throwing four touchdowns, not the three of them in the first quarter of the game. Clicking on, and this is something else is really well. I'll talk about Wentz in a second, but defense was able to shut down the Cardinals. They were able to get at uh, Carson Palmer and the special teams. Kenyon Barner had like a 75 yard punt return uh, in the first quarter to set them up for a second touchdown almost right away. I mean, they were up 14 nothing before it was five minutes into the game. Yeah. Um, but the thing I really wanted to highlight about Carson Wentz is that he's improving because the offensive line for the Eagles is, is solid. And the running game, which we were actually kind of not sold on during the first couple of weeks, has really come on. And it's come on as guys have gotten hurt. Sproles is done for the year. Wendell Smallwood did not play in this Cardinals game. You saw a rotation of LeGarrette Blunt, Corey Clement, and Kenyon Barner. And these guys ran the ball well. I mean, the offensive line was breaking holes for him, you know, sealing alleys for him, and they were actually getting downfield and really allowing the offense to be balanced for the Eagles and then Carson Wentz, man, he's able to get out of the pocket. He's able to make throws. He's able to turn something out of nothing. I mean, I see this Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers playmaking ability coming out of him. And I just get excited because I truly see this offense and specifically Wentz taking steps forward every single week where I'm kind of ready for them to sort of, I'm waiting for the house of cards to fall. Then it doesn't happen. Then they just start to perform better. They start to manage the clock. But I mean, time of possession for this Eagles team is really, really impressive. So, all right. I just had my Eagles gasm. Yeah. I, I want to get a few of your thoughts on this Eagles team. Bring me back down to, to planet Earth. Tell me, tell me what's wrong. What am I not seeing? Well, I think you pretty much you caught on with all the positives that you want to talk about. I love the defense. Yeah. I mean, just... They get so much pressure on a quarterback. And Carson Palmer, I think, is probably the most hit or pressured quarterback in the league this he's, year. He's up there. He does not move. He's like a statue yeah. back there. And, I mean, they the, the Eagles' defense was licking their damn chops, just trying to get at him and just mess up his timing. And just really, man, this Arizona team is just a mess. Yeah. Uh, David Johnson, number one. But still, at the same time, look, you got to take every opportunity that's presented to you and the Eagles defense made this pretty much a non-factor of a game, or at least you could sit comfortable on a Sunday afternoon by, you know, half halfway through the first quarter, just, just dominant on defense. It's yeah. really not giving them a chance to kind of uh, to catch their breath. By the time the Cardinals were trying to really get themselves back into this, and even then, they just really couldn't get anything going. It was, it was pretty much spoken for. You yeah. know, 21 points in the first quarter. Carson Wentz, and look, I said it last year, and I understood why the um, the Eagles offensive coaching staff was really, you know, kind of being conservative. I was like, I want to see him throw the football downfield just to see. You know, every now and then, I, I like when a quarterback on first down throws deep, even mm -hmm. if it doesn't connect, just to kind of remind the defense that it's possible. And, you know, now we're seeing it like, you know, all the horses are, are being let free for Carson Wentz, and he's making some 
some really nice throws. He had a really nice one at Torrey Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, Nelson Aguilar has, I mean, blossomed this year. We saw some potential last year, but, I mean, we're really kind of seeing. I mean, his the, touchdown the, run, that was some, he, he, he caught the ball. But then the move he made to deke out the defender and get to the end zone, I mean, that was – I was impressed. I'm pretty sure he, he left his underwear in the nearest trash can after that one. Just, <laughs> I mean, he shook him right out of his drawers. Uh, but that, look, there's just a lot – you know what it is? The personnel, I think, is what – and I, you and I talked after the show last week, and I told you how much I liked Kenyon Barner. Yeah. And I was happy that he's kind of getting a second chance with the Eagles. And mm-hmm. look what happened. Aaron Sproles is hurt. And Barner comes in and, you know, squeezes out as many hey-look-at-me moments as he can yeah. on the football field. So, I mean, you know, it's guaranteeing him that. So now you've got two um, Oregon guys as their one-and-two punch mm-hmm. in the backfield, which is amazing because they um, LeGarrette Blunt was the number one and Barner was the number two at Oregon, and they're doing it again in the NFL. So there's just a lot of pieces right now that are all working together. And Zach Ertz is yeah. kind of wow unsung hero in terms of keeping Carson Wentz's uh, yeah. decision. Blowing. Like I think right now he is the leading receiver for the Eagles right now, and rightly earned. He's I mean he's made some big catches for them this season. Yeah. Whereas you know uh, Alshon Jeffrey, I, I'm not knocking Alshon Jeffrey. I think he's been a great addition. He's done his job, but he has not been like this number one high volume target. That's not been his role. He's just been another serviceable big receiver for this Eagles receiving core, but. I mean, Ertz is the guy who gets most of the looks, and you nailed it, man. There are some catches. I don't want to say he bails out Carson Wentz, but I mean, there was like some third and 11 passes from Carson Wentz where he just nails Zach Ertz right in stride, and it's like, what? That was third and long, and he just got the conversion like it was nothing. I mean, uh, you got to be scared if you're a defense facing this team. Look, I did uh, in defense of Alshon Jeffrey. I didn't get to read the article, but there's uh there's someone out there actually went out and wrote an article saying that Alshon Jeffrey's numbers don't really uh really elaborate on what he's presented to this Eagles um attack. So mm-hmm. I maybe more of a in terms of intimidation and forcing you to respect him because he's a six three wide receiver who can jump up and get the football. Yeah. So you have to give him some kind of attention. Like like he's almost always drawing double teams type situation. Yeah. Like he's the decoy, he's always going to get your best defender. So maybe opens things up for the uh, passing attack and other aspects. Like, like so. Namdi Asamoah has no interceptions because no one's throwing him the ball type situation. <laughs> that kind of deal. <laughs> that was a deep cut. <laughs> yeah, I know. It took me back for a second there. Uh, <laughs> um. Well, here, let's uh, let's slide right into this Panthers sort of Eagles discussion. By the way, uh, real quick footnote, Adrian Peterson was traded to the Arizona Cardinals today for a draft pick. Uh, Which is bizarre. I mean, they cut Chris Johnson, they, too. So. Yeah, and by the way, I watched Chris Johnson in that running game for the Cardinals. There is no running game. so And I don't really know if Peterson is going to help them much, but I, I, I understand the trade. It makes sense. I think they should just get, give Ellington a chance because this is almost identical to what happened uh, when Carson Palmer first came yeah. to the Arizona Cardinals. David Johnson really did not get a chance to run the football. They no. did a lot of screens out of the backfield for him. And then one day they just said, why don't we give him a shot? So yeah. I think they really just need to let Ellington go, like give him a shot to uh, to kind of take command of that running back position because, you know. it. You're, it dude, it, Peterson it, is not the lose. answer. They've got nothing to lose, yeah. Right now, and they're, they're really hurting without Johnson. I agree. Uh, anyway, uh, Panthers-Eagles, 
Thursday night, short week in Carolina, 4-1, 4-1. Here's the things I'm looking for and what I'm thinking. I'm looking for the Eagles' pass rush to actually get some pressure on Cam Newton. I think that's going to be one of their keys to victory. Um, I'm thinking that uh, the Eagles' uh, time of possession and running the ball is going to be important because I think they want to keep it out of Cam's hands as much as they possibly can because I think the Eagles can make plays, but they're not going to be able to make as many plays as they could against you know the Giants or the Cardinals. This is a stiffer defense. Um, and for the Panthers, you know, I'm really looking for them to try to also sort of run the ball and control time of possession with the Eagles. Because I think, I mean, I know they've got big playability, but I mean, you know, that's going to be something where if the Eagles can get pressure, they're going to stop Cam Newton from throwing long passes on them. But I think the the Panthers are going to want to run, 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 and then just pass on this Eagles team and then just try to hang on to the ball as much as possible and suffocate them. Uh, almost kind of similar to what the Eagles look like when they played the Chiefs in Week 2. Um, what do you think? Do you think, like, if the Eagles have a shot at winning this game, how are they going to do this? And if the if they don't, how are the Panthers going to crush them? I think in a short week, um, we're probably looking at a, a defense, defense-heavy, defense-focused game. Yeah. So probably going to be a bit on the low-scoring side. Um, this might come down to a, a kicker battle in some respects, which is surprising to me to say this, but um, I, look, the key here is just to play mistake-free football. Yeah. So I would say the Eagles have an edge in that. Carson Wentz has done a much better job this season of, uh, you know, really not... Every, look, every time he's thrown an interception this season, it's kind of been in a wash where it's yeah. like, right, one mistake, but it's not really... It doesn't... It's not hasn't been game-breaking. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah, I saw so, that. He threw a pick in the game against the Cardinals, and I mean... It was it was a very listen. It was an amazing pick by the defender. Like he literally yeah, two toes exactly. on the edge of the end zone. But as soon as it was over, Wentz went right back to the sideline. He's sitting down, looking at the iPad. Like he was he was fired up, being like, "What the hell happened there?" Yeah. So I I really I really think the Eagles have an edge in terms of uh, not making any mistakes in this game. Um, Defense wise. Cam's offensive line is still a bit of a question. Yeah. So I think the Eagles are going to get a chance to really get some hits in on him or at least get some pressures to throw off that timing that he's got with uh, his receivers. Uh, like we, we said before, you know, um, Benjamin's been playing pretty okay. But, you know, he's got Devin Funches who's been playing really, really well. And I don't know if their new tight end, you know, Miracle Kid is, you know, the real deal or if... If this was just one week one big game, but um, just expect them to kind of fit him into the offensive package going forward to fill that spot for Olsen. So it's going to be a good game, but I think your Eagles have the edge in this one. Oh, wow. Thank you. It's always exciting to hear someone honestly say that they're going to root for my team as opposed to just me homering every single week and being like, they're going to win. They're going to go 19-0 every day. This is the best defense Cam has had to face in a few weeks. Thank so you. I, I, think, I think he's really going to have to well, there's some throws in that, not to knock his game. And I, I I, think I said this when we first started talking off about the Panthers this week, is that, you know, as well as Cam played in the last few weeks, the defenses he's played haven't really, really rocked him. Yeah. I, I think some of those close throws might end up being mistakes against a, a better defense. Oh. So you're going to have to be careful this week. Well, I'm feeling pretty excited. I, uh, it wasn't, it's, the game will be here real soon. Two more days, short week. 
I uh, listen. If my Eagles end up five and one after this game, it's going to be a very exciting time. That doesn't happen every year. It's crazy right now that the conference is just just the 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 unpredictability. The right unpredictability. Now. I every every year I feel like we talk about the unpredictability. I I don't even let. It's a shock to see though. It's an enjoyable shock, but a shock nonetheless. I mean, it's a shock to see the Jaguars doing what they're doing. <laughs> um, but here, let's finish off with uh, Chiefs. Texans. So Chiefs are 5-0. and Texans have Deshaun Watson, who has essentially been impressing the world after three and a half games. Uh, this is now the second straight week where he's got five touchdowns on the day. Um, he had four passing, one rushing last week. This past week he had five passing touchdowns, although a handful of them were garbage minutes. But uh, the things to sort of discuss with this game are really J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless going down for the year. Terrible news. Um, and also what is this going to mean for the Texans defense? Because I think there's a lot of excitement about, well, really, I, I want to talk about the Texans and the chiefs. There's a lot of excitement about the Texans to Sean Watson. He's clearly been clicking. He clearly is the answer for them right now, but they were always going to be heavily relying on this defense to carry them. Okay, because Deshaun Watson's prowess as a rookie quarterback was not going to last all season. He's going to have clunkers, and this defense is going to be the re- the thing that bails them out and helps them win games when he has a bad game. Now you remove that defense, and we saw it on we saw it in this Sunday night game against the Chiefs. Okay, when Watt and Merciless left the game, the defense changed. They couldn't stop the Chiefs anymore, and so I'm sitting here saying, listen. The Texans might start losing game after game after game, even with Deshaun Watson putting up big points. All of a sudden, how are we going to feel about this team? Uh, I mean, do you think the Texans can actually make it to the playoffs considering the injuries they have right now? Well, I was watching this game that night. So I saw Merciless go down. I saw J.J. Watt go down. And it happened so early in the game, really, that you didn't really get a chance to kind of gauge what this defense could do against, you know, a Kansas City Chiefs yeah. offense. Yeah. It really, I mean, the game, I wouldn't say it was out of hand, but in terms of having kind of that almost equal match that we thought, or like a closer, uh, you know, comparison of teams yeah. we had going into the game, it was pretty much wiped out by the end of the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, look, they still got Jadavian Clowney, but I mean, one man alone is not going to really make up for the loss of, I mean, uh, one of the greatest defensive players ever, and Whitney Merciless, who is a basically playing for a contract at this point. Merciless was, yeah, you know, and who I would call a blue chip defender. Yeah, it's it's look, Clowney had six sacks last year, which is pretty solid, you know, but I he really kind of needed that anchor. I think of uh, JJ Watt on the other side to really give him as much. potential to, to, to do his best out there. But look, man, it's it's rough going right now. I can't really say that the Texans are going to be able to stand toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in the league. You know, without these guys, the Patriots gave them a run for their money, uh, and they had everyone playing. They had the full personnel. So they, this, is, this is not something that's going to be easy for them to come back from. Uh, you know, Clowney says he's not – you know, he's not worried, he doesn't feel any pressure, but I would. Uh, the defense is still pretty good, and I yeah. just picked up one of the Jets' corners um, on, on waivers just to kind of shore up the secondary because they're still getting torched a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is it's not good. And you're absolutely right, man. Look, Deshaun Watson's not going to play 
out of his mind forever. He's going to have a couple games where he does have clunkers, and he's going to need the defense to kind of pick him up. So unless he somehow magically turns into an Aaron Rodgers-esque quarterback where, you know, he makes up for all the, the, the things that the defense lacks, uh, I think the, uh, the Texans are going to they're gonna suffer a bit. Yeah, I agree. I, I, well, anything's better than Tom Savage. Yo, right I, like, I agree with that. <laughs> so I'd still say they're in a much better position than they were last year in terms of potential and outlook. But it's going to be hard going with not having J.J. Watt again for another full season. So Now the Chiefs. Let's talk about the Chiefs a little bit. Only undefeated team in the league. They're 5-0. and Alex Smith has been turning heads, doing the same thing he always does, but doing it at a much higher efficiency, which is almost unbelievable considering how efficient he already was. Kareem Hunt, absolutely shocking everybody. Tyreek Hill, one year older, looking better. Travis Kelsey, clicking on all cylinders. Best tight end in the league, probably? I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, certainly consistent and healthier than, than a Rob Gronkowski and you know, better than a Jimmy Graham right now, I would probably say, and Greg Olson's hurt, probably, yeah, Kelsey. I would say Travis Kelsey's right up there. And and Kelsey, Kelsey did have a concussion, but uh, I mean, I'm assuming he's probably going to be cleared to play for next week. I think he'll be fine. We'll I mean, but, he's a big guy. And, uh, and then the defense, you know, this is still a defense that's dealing without Eric Berry. You know, I think we all yeah. really thought the defense was going to take a major step back when Berry got hurt, but I mean, listen, they're, they're making it work. And Justin yeah, Houston moments, playing at a Pro Bowl level doesn't hurt. They have moments where you've seen um, you've seen a lapse or two. Hopkins Hopkins uh, lit up this defense a little bit um, last week mm-hmm. or on Monday. But I, I mean, other than that, well, the the defense, as quote unquote old as they're getting, is still pretty damn intimidating and still is enough to keep them in games until Alex Smith do his thing. Where he's not a quarterback who's going to torture you night in and night out. But um, just enough points on the uh, on the ground, and just enough from the defense to keep them, you know, in games. They've been just probably the best NFL team in terms of wins and losses in the yeah. last what thirty games. 30 yeah, games? I mean, Crazy. you got to give some credit to Andy Reid, man. And I mean, the fast collectively speaking, and if you think about the, the amount of running backs they have disposed, like toilet tissue. Yeah, and just how just freakishly talented. Their running backs have been. Uh, it, it, it's amazing. This team is just built to one. Also, all of Andy Reid's gadget plays like they all fit. Yeah, uh, they all fit uh, the the required necessities to to make this just a, a damn good and electric offense. And he hasn't had too many opportunities to screw up. Uh, you know, clock management. No. <laughs> uh, Not at all. Okay, so Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl contender. Yes or no? Yes. And if yes, okay. What what's got to ha- what could happen to stop this? I mean, I mean, okay. Alex Smith going down, yes. But I mean, like, what other legitimate thing do you think could really happen that would slow this team down from from being like a you know a first round buy in the playoffs? If we're not talking about injuries, it really has to come down to someone figuring out. Andy Reid's game scheme, which mm-hmm. it looks like so far this season, no one really has, and it's hard to. He he implements so many different things: counters, reverses, um, a lot of screen passes, and even if you know some of them are coming in a telegraphed, you still have to stop them. Yeah, I mean Tyreek Hill is a hell of a weapon for him. Yeah, it's just real Tyreek Hill. Uh, just just that um, kickoff or that punt return that he got back for a touchdown. He was he was basically running 
east to west on the field, not even north to south, and they still couldn't catch him going upfield. So, I mean, it's that not only um, trying to out-scheme Andy Reid, it's also having, uh, you know, players on the field of the same talent level Mm -hmm. and ability. So, I I mean, someone's really got to figure out, you know, some way to shut down Andy Reid in in one specific aspect of the game. You got to shut down the screen passes. You got to shut down uh, the running game, which right now is is dominating. It's not looking like a thing. Sharkandrick West is coming on third down and scoring two touchdowns in a game on you. So have and Sharkandrick West at one point was a starting running back. Yeah, a season before, so it's not like necessarily a downgrade in talent. And and if anything, another guy that's familiar with the roster, familiar with the playbook, and who can come right in on third down and be effective. Yeah. So I mean, you're talking about a team. In its prime, and, and the you know, with nothing really, nothing really to lose. They're damn good. It's going to be tough to beat. But they're like, I, I, I once said towards the beginning of the season, uh, you know, someone told me that the Kansas City Chiefs were the dark horse pick. I, I'm looking back at that now and go, how could we say that was a dark horse? These guys, it's almost like a no brainer. Yeah, they're just dangerous. I mean, they're killing teams right now. Well, listen, I think that's all we got. Uh, Breaking down week five, the the major storylines to look at. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is uh, Sam and Shaka giving you what you need to hear. Uh, as always, subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. And, of course, you can always email me or Shaka with any mailbag questions at samsportsstation at gmail.com. That's all I got for the time being. Shaka, any closing thoughts before we sign off? I'm wondering if uh, Braylon Edwards is making any phone calls to the New York Giants for any open positions. Hey, hey, you guys need a wide receiver? So, I mean, look, we laugh now, but I'm just going to go check the roster wire once we're done here to see what's going on in transaction. If you see Braylon Edwards on the Giants roster, you're, like, not going to be surprised. This has officially been the strangest season ever. (laughs) Well, uh, you heard it here first. If you see Braylon Edwards in a Giants jersey this Sunday, don't be too surprised. (laughs) All right, guys, we're out of here. Enjoy week six. Uh, We'll be back next week to break down the games and uh, talk to you later. Take care, guys.